0: Hello, everyone. Quick programming note. In case you have not heard, Herm Edwards was fired by Arizona State. That news dropped about two hours after we stopped recording, and we jumped on to talk about it. So, if you want to hear our thoughts about Herm Edwards, his firing the circumstances of his firing, and also a bit about the Arizona State job and some possible candidates. We did have a 15-minute conversation, so stay tuned till the end of the episode after the outro music, and you can hear our thoughts on that. On with the rest of the episode. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin on Twitter. Joining me as always, a woman heartbroken by a
1: fallen hero, Avery at Brave Grapes.
2: Okay. Hello.
1: (laughs) 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 Matt at No Pit Stops. We moved on. This is a Jake Hayner podcast now. (laughs) Is it? He's dead now. (laughs) No, he's Uh, playing next week. He's literally still fine. (laughs) Oh didn't my God! Did he get injured?
2: I didn't watch the end he of that game. He was carted
1: off the field. They <laughs> USC absolutely USC actually ripped this man's leg off, and he's still going to play the next <laughs> week. It's unbelievable. Well, he played surely. with only
2: one lung against UCLA last year and won. So
1: I want uh Jeff Tedford investigated for not putting Hainer back in. I think he was throwing <laughs> the game. Actually, I think he knew what was going to happen, and I think the bookies got to him. <laughs>
0: I'm foying Fresno man, that, State as we speak. That man is a cyborg. Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, no, Greg, today at, uh, at Banana Morphs, he was at the Utah game. He's also just ducking. He's ducking me. He does not want to get. <laughs> I, I have so much shit to flame him about, which we'll get to later on. But uh, he's he's ducking me, so uh, that's fine. Anyway, uh, we had another full day of Pac-12 football. Uh, we'll have we'll talk about every single game. We'll talk about Washington's dominant win over Michigan State. We'll talk about. Colorado finding new bottoms every week. We'll uh preview conference play coming up next week. We'll make our picks for week four, all of that stuff. Uh, but first, please leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We're up to 3.1 stars now on 102 reviews. So our uh, our pleas are working. Uh we're hoping to get to 3.5 by the end of October. So please, if you like the show, send us a five-star review on Apple um, and on Spotify. Also, as we do every week, we got a bunch of bonus content for you on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. Matt and Greg have done a weekly Prac-12 preview for the upcoming games. They look at the spreads, the money lines, they talk about the matchups, all of that stuff. That's on our $3 tier. And on our $10 tier, Avery and I have an episode this week coming out in the middle of the week, recalibrating our expectations and predictions going into conference play, doing a little bit of overreactions, doing a little bit of narratives. A little uh, bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh so if you subscribe to that you'll also get access to a discord where you can join us and ask questions as we record these episodes live we got a couple of folks watching here now they'll send in their questions we'll get to talk about them so if any of that sounds interesting go to uh, notruckstops.com Okay, let's start, as we always do, with a quick recap of all that went down in the Pac-12 this past weekend. The Pac-12 went 8-3 and in the not-conference slate this week, including 2-0 and against ranked teams in the AP Top 25. UW handily beat Michigan State 39-28 off 500 yards of total offense from the Huskies. Meanwhile, Oregon humiliated BYU 41-20, breaking BYU's five-game win streak over the Pac-12. Cal fell to Notre Dame 24-17 in uh, a barn burner, uh, while Colorado continued its descent into the darkest bits of college football losing to minnesota 49-7 ucla narrowly escaped a win over south alabama 32-31 after a game-winning walk-off field goal washington state hammered the shit out of colorado state 38-7 behind cam wards four touchdown passes later on in the evening oregon state throttled montana state the number four fcs team in the country 66-28 and Utah quickly peaked down and then coasted over San Diego State, thirty-five to seven. USC broke a lot of our pack, a lot of our Pac-12. Jake Hanner trauma, uh, destroying Fresno State, forty-five to seventeen, while limiting Jake Hanner before Hanner was carted off with an injury, as Sons we said of before. Bitches. <laughs> uh, late at night in the desert, Arizona beat reigning FCS champs North Dakota State, ending North Dakota State's six-game win streak against Power Five opponents. Just up north, uh, Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan, 30 to 21, despite being favored to beat Eastern Michigan by 20 and a half points. Let's get right into the actual games. Let's start with the team that I think we first of all. Let's start with the team that we completely forgot to talk about last week. <laughs> Just. Flat out failed to mention, and then they come and have the biggest win of the weekend. Uh, Washington uh, they beat Michigan State, number eleven. Michigan State, thirty nine to twenty eight. Washington gained five hundred and three yards of total offense behind Michael Penix's Penix's. I'm doing Jesus Christ. It's Michael Penix. Penix's big Penix. night. <laughs>
2: <It's a penis. laughs> he threw
0: for. Uh, he had 397 yards and four touchdowns. Um, although much to Greg's chagrin, again he's not here, ducking me yet again. Only completed 60 percent of his passes, so I guess that means that all of that was negated. Uh, so I think there's lots to digest in this game. But the Huskies are starting off the season really strong. They're three and zero now. Uh, so Matt, let's start with you. What were your reactions to this game? What about the Huskies looked impressive to you? And are you any? Are you?
1: Was there anything about this game that was concerning to you for Washington? Um, I don't love the clothes. I don't really know what happened there. As far as Michigan state scoring 28 points, I definitely checked out of this one in the third quarter. Um, so I definitely need to go in and see what the hell happened there. I am extremely impressed with the chemistry that Phoenix has, um, has developed with his wide receivers. I don't laugh at that. That's how it's said. Um, <laughs> honestly this like poor a man's lot... name
0: is Panix, but go ahead
1: why are you calling him poor what's wrong with his name carlos <laughs> he's getting called Penix. he's getting Explain. called Penix by everyone <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> continue continue <laughs> um so no i it, several back shoulder throws several tight window throws where the throws were impressive but they're definitely those types of throws that like the wide receiver has to do a lot of leveraging of the defensive back to make that throw work and they did it with significant consistency. Um, I'm really impressed with how well that is working. I saw a lot of... I mean, Michigan State's defense, like their past defense last year was, quote, dead-ass last, according to their own head coach um, in the nation. They, they, their past defense has not been good all year last year, and, and it certainly seems like that has not uh, been fixed moving into this year. So there's a little bit of... It just taking that with a grain of salt. But this Washington offense looked so clean, really, really impressed with what they were able to put up against, against Michigan state. Yeah. Michael Penix had
0: a night, uh, in addition to the big numbers, it was, uh, just, it was, uh, just elite ball placement from him. Like it looked like he was throwing that stuff into tight windows and all, all of the vast majority of them downfield, which is why his, uh, completion percentage is so low because, He's he's not these are not dump offs. Uh, These are 10, 15 yards at minimum, off into the edges, like 30, 40 yards downfield. And he nails them. It felt like his incompletions downfield were the vast majority of them were due to the fact uh, that his receivers just couldn't finish. Uh, It was impressive stuff. I I actually didn't think that Michigan State's secondary was like they were getting beat for sure. Um, But like they were still tight coverage. So I'm not sure how much I. I I'm putting stock into Michigan State secondary being bad. Defensively, I think, is where so why we you know Washington has a good offense. Defensively is where I think I saw some really promising stuff. Um I, I get that we've kind of talked about Washington's defense as being yeah, shaky in the first couple of games. They played Kent State and Portland State. So you know, how much of that was them you know just coasting or uh how much of that was sort of them not taking that challenge seriously but in this game who knows how good michigan state's offense is their running game was great i thought they were fantastic the front seven was really good i felt like they were getting pressure um on the quarterback on pass plays pretty consistently their secondary i think needs a lot of work um that is probably the weakest unit on the team but that, it, it's impressive, nonetheless, to have a run defense that good, considering the fact that last year, they were dead last, the Huskies were, in run defense. So I'm, enc- I'm really encouraged by Washington having a, a very competent defense. I don't know that it's going to be as good as it was in the Chris, Chris Peterson years or in the first Jimmy Lake year, but it was it was totally competent. Uh, but Avery, what did you think about Washington? Uh, what did you see with the Huskies? That uh, Did you feel good about them coming after this game? Do you have any concerns about them?
2: Yeah, Penix is real. He's he's really good, and I want Husky fans to shut up about it because you're being annoying, <laughs> but he is really good. He's looked really good, especially in this game. I don't think the completion percentage is a huge issue because, honestly, he made it work anyways, but my bigger concern is will the man play more than six games this season? In his entire collegiate career, he has not made a season um, longer than six games played. And one of those... So, for instance, 2018, he only played three games, but he's a freshman. 2019, six games got injured. 2020, which was COVID, he only played six games. Last year, 2021, he only played five games before getting injured. And now we're at three games. So, I would be concerned about that if I was a Washington fan. Because is this sustainable? It could be. But... He's, I don't know. I think if you replace this offense with Sam Heward, they look completely different. And that's mm-hmm. kind of scary.
0: To your point, he was limping a little bit in this game. Uh, he was gimpy, got up gimpy a couple of times. Now, like, clearly he was able to finish the game. Uh, clearly, that it seems like he's fine, but given the fact that he has had these injuries that are kind of lingering or that have put him out for the year, you really do not want to see him get hurt right now at this point. Um, because again, it's Sam Heward, and I'm not sure. I, I believe now at first, I think we were really critical of De DeBoer for starting Michael Penix over, uh, uh, on a, a very young Sam Heward and a very talented Sam Heward, but it, it makes all the sense in the world because he fucking owns. Um, yeah. But he's got to stay on the field. You're right.
2: I was going to say, I'll admit that I was wrong about starting Sam Heward. Uh, Michael <laughs> Penix has looked really good. I'm just worried about him getting injured and yeah. that's kind of scary. But I was going to say, um, they only held Michigan State's run- rushing game to 42 yards on 29 carries which is really good better than i was expecting but i also have no idea how good michigan state's offense is like i don't want to take away from this win at all but like michigan state has played uh western michigan and akron so (laughs) we don't really have like a good understanding of what this offense is capable of and a lot of people are speculating that their ranking was super inflated to begin with so i feel like you can't expect washington to beat world beaters I've seen a lot of posts about how Washington's gonna win the Pac-12 championship right now, and it is true <laughs> that they have a lot, like a lot easier schedule and way easier path because they don't play USC or Utah. Um, but I don't think they're infallible. <laughs> they're to not the crazy infallible, Pac- but- Pac-12 shit. We've seen how their secondary plays. Like uh, I think it's safe to be concerned about Washington and not expect them to just steamroll through the conference.
0: No, but I do think their schedule lines up nicely. Matt, oh, very were, nicely. Yeah, Matt, what were you going to say?
1: A uh, couple things. Um, Washington ran the ball for 2.94 yards uh, per attempt against Michigan State. That is definitely a little bit concerning. Um, I, thinking about you know your Utahs and your Oregon States that do have good defensive backfields, um, will they be able to make this team like force them into running the ball? Um, that'll be interesting to see. We'll see if Washington can handle that. I was going to say something about, I didn't remember anybody um, saying that Heward should have started over Penix, but apparently I just don't listen to women. So um, <laughs> I get that.
2: I just thought this season was going to be more of a rebuilding year than it was. So it made sense to look to the future, but. Apparently, Sam Hewitt's probably just trash. So,
0: <laughs> oh, or, man, Michael, or Michael Penix is just really good. I mean, he looks honestly. Uh, I said this on Twitter. He looks like the best pure thrower in the Pac-12. I like. I have not seen any other quarterback in the Pac-12 this season make the throws that Penix is making. Even Caleb Williams. Yeah,
2: he can make harder throws, but the completion percentage is something that I'm like. He's not as steady, but he does make he does make the hard throws.
1: He's not good off platformer on the run. Like he's yeah. th- There's definitely some stuff where when Michigan State was able to heat him up, it, if it the play was dead. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's definitely some similarities between Penix and Bo Nix, um, where if you are going up against a team that you are just flat better than, they're going to look really really impressive. And against competent, like good defenses and teams that are just as good or better than, than them, that they're they're gonna struggle. So we'll see. Maybe maybe Penix has just gotten that much better and that'd be great. Um Frankly though, like the middle of the Big Ten might actually just be really bad. I so, also think
2: it's worth noting that Michigan State had like multiple starters out last night. I think they mm-hmm. had two of their starting receivers out and an offensive lineman, maybe something like that. So,
0: yeah, yeah, they were missing some guys. I'm not, I am, uh, I'm husky-pilled. I'm not, I think Michigan State is probably, they looked fine. Like, I don't think there was anything egregious about them. Their I don't quarterback think they're Peyton Thorne, I I think they're, I think they're probably at minimum, what, like an eight-win, nine-win team. Um, and like that's in the Big Ten, like that's pretty good. Um,
1: can I take that bet?
0: I guess so. Yeah, you can. Uh, I just think that every... <laughs> I think it's insane. Uh, I've got a bone to pick with you with you two and Greg, uh, all three of you. Every time a Pac-12 team has a big win, I, all I get is, ah, Michigan State, uh, you know, they're probably not that great this year. Excuse me, uh, every, time? Happened. Yeah, every time? Yeah,
2: every time, did every you see how good? I
0: acted when Wazoo beat Wisconsin last week? Fuck you. Yeah, you did. Matt did say, wisconsin was not a good team i don't know the pac-12 apparently does not play any good teams like i'm kind of surprised by this that you all are so like down on the pac-12's biggest wins i
2: don't think i'm down i think i'm just keeping my expectations uh lower so that i Mm -hmm. am not made to look stupid
0: well uh washington's non-conference is over so at this point whether they win or not you
1: you, know you're taking this answer out of context and putting it into a different one i am a hundred percent with you that the pac-12 is so much better we need to we're gonna have that conversation on this podcast the point is is when you start taking these results against teams other teams that are not good that this is a great win for the conference but other teams in the conference are getting equal wins so all of a sudden saying that like because washington beat michigan state that means that they are now just as good as USC. That's that's a false equivalence. So like that's where that's where me sitting here saying that like eh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, I don't think they're that good. Like I don't think those are good football teams, and I certainly don't think they played well on these games. We'll talk about Florida as well, um, and so I I do think that it's more about. Yeah, this is really good. Really good for or for Washington to actually show the program that they are and to elevate the Pac-12. This is definitely what the conference needs and where like these teams really actually should be at. That's great. I don't I just genuinely don't know how to like project that forward into Pac-12 play.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I I just think that of the games that we have at this point through 3 weeks, Washington looks like a a a very good team. They look clearly to me like the number two team in the Pac-12 after three weeks. And I get, I mean, again, there's just so much variance when we play these uh, non-conference games and there's just a huge variation in quality of the opponent. But Washington now has a power five win over what is a, at the very least a pretty regular top 15 team in the country or top 20 team in the country in Michigan State. It's That's the best.
2: Count- it's the best win. Yeah. For the Pac-12. I think it's a better win than BYU for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, this week or in all of non-con?
2: Uh,
1: what do you think think is Wisconsin? a better win? I think Wisconsin's yeah. a better win.
2: I guess comparatively, okay. Washington <laughs> State is a
1: worse team, and I think Wisconsin is a better
0: team. Okay, I mean either way, I think that I think that Washington's performance was really well rounded here, and and we're forgetting we're forgetting one piece of the equation here, which, which was this was a dominant washington win like this was not like washington and michigan state were in a tough game and like washington state had to pull it out late and pull the touch no they were up 39 to 14 with nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter and washington sat on the ball a little bit Uh, michigan state got a couple garbage time touchdowns this was a very clear very definitive win over even a middle of the back big 10 team is still impressive um for what Washington has been over the past year, so no, I think we have to. We have, I think we have to give Washington a little bit more credit than we're giving them. I think they have the second or third best receiver room in the conference. That's their receivers are dangerous. We knew this coming yeah. into the um coming into the season, but they look so good. Uh, Jalen McMillan looks awesome. Jalen Polk looks awesome. Roma Dunze had some really great plays in this game. I like that's a, a, a really good cadre of receivers to go along with great quarterback play you're right the running back play meh we'll see how that unfolds the run defense it looks like a top four run defense in the pac 12 the secondary is shaky we'll see how that shakes out but like those things together should get you a a top that's a top three team in the pac 12 i don't see why it's not and i feel like we have to be giving him credit for that
2: okay let me be transparent i would give washington so much more credit if washington fans weren't so fucking annoying (laughs)
0: Okay, okay. I, one, your, one your boyfriend is annoying on particular tw- on Twitter.
2: Uh,
0: he's it's it's his fault. I love him. I think he's very funny <laughs> when he gets like this. It's
2: not funny. Don't encourage it. It's fucking Al- annoying.
1: Alcohol is a drug, guys. Alcohol is a drug and a sin and is, is a scourge it's on this surf. earth. <laughs> like
2: it's starting to make me I thought Oregon fans were the worst. I did. And now I'm questioning everything I know. I'm so those, tired. Those
1: two being good together. I'm sorry. I need to come back to the Michigan State uh, okay. comment, Carlos. They're not a 9-1 team. In no world are they winning nine games. Um, Their over-under total at the beginning of the year was 7.5. Everybody was saying to take the under. They still have to play Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Penn State. They'll lose all three of those, no question. They get Minnesota next. They're probably losing that game. And then Wisconsin and Illinois as toss-ups. So they're... They're seven and five at best.
0: Okay. Even then, a seven and five Big Ten team beating them down is still impressive to me.
2: It's more impressive than losing. That's for it's sure. It's
1: great. It doesn't vault you to like they're a f- shoe-in for the championship game.
0: Uh, I mean, they are they are a clear number two championship contender. No one's a shoe-in because I think there's five really good teams, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I think point.
2: no one's a shoe-in because we play in the Pac-12. Um
1: and there's good teams. Like one to eight are really are are solid teams, competent teams. I think I think there are legitimately five teams competing for the championship game. And I think that is two more than we thought at the beginning of the season. And I definitely think that Washington is one of those. Okay. I yeah. think that's that's are, okay. we good? are we all being measured here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. We're all yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Can we have a measured take? Is that okay? Or do we have to overreact to No, no. And I mean, be I never said
0: that I never said that Washington was a shoe-in. I do think they look right now. Like the second best team. They do. They have looked like the second best team. Whether that means they're like going to end up number two.
2: I think that Oregon State looks like the second best team, but we can talk about
0: that (laughs) later. Let's talk. Okay. Let's talk about that later. Uh, Let's move on to the other uh, team that is uh, very high on themselves right now. Uh, Oregon Beat BYU 41-20. to 20. Number 25 Oregon uh, beat number 12 BYU 41-20. to 20. Bo Nix had a really nice day. He went 13 for 18, threw for 220 yards and two touchdowns. Going along with three rushing touchdowns. This one got a little bit weird late. The score, I think, is not indicative of how much of a blowout this was. Dan Lanning actually put in Ty Thompson midway through the third quarter while Oregon was up 38-7. to 7. Uh, BYU got a couple garbage time touchdowns and then uh, Oregon had to put Bo Nix back in uh, when BYU cut that lead. Uh, But this game was mostly never really in doubt. Uh, The Ducks wound up putting this one away for good. Um, So I'm, I'm curious, Avery, let's start with you. What did you think about this game? And are you feeling good about Oregon again?
2: Oregon looked like the more talented team because they are the more talented team. Like every aspect of the game, they just were more talented and they out-talented BYU. They were pushing BYU around like you'd expect a more talented team to play. And Bonex looked downright competent. Bonex had a great game. He looked great. I think the decision to put Ty Thompson in in the third quarter was super dumb and shows that their head coach has very little experience. So I don't know why they did that, but like... Oregon had a really a really solid game. This makes me feel a lot more confident about Oregon going on. But I will say that we make jokes about Bonex only getting like two to three good games a year. And I think there's actually value in that. I think, I think that Bonex playing well in this game isn't going to say that Bonex is going to play this well the rest of the season. I think you can expect really shitty games from Bonex. Um, and obviously, Ty Thompson is not an upgrade. So... I think Oregon's going to live and die by Bo Nix, but I saw a lot of good things from Oregon's defense, especially from their linebackers that I feel like I haven't seen this season at all. BYU only got 61 yards, so two and a half um, yards per attempt, which I was really impressed by because I feel like Oregon's front seven has been really scary looking over the time but i feel better i feel better about Oregon, like a lot better
0: uh buddy james in the chat saying that ty thompson is bad don't a tough spot to be thrown in you know he had a couple of drives then he had to get pulled but he did not look great in that in that little sample size. he doesn't but-
2: have any real experience he hasn't had a steady coaching staff like he has been set up to fail so i don't expect him to look good like he's been in a bad position since he got to Oregon.
0: Matthew what did what about you? What did you think about uh, this game? Oregon's performance? Are you feeling better about him?
2: Yeah, no,
1: I'm just singing the Bonex experience over and over and over again. I think <laughs> I think we're gonna drop that single pretty soon here. Um, otherwise, biggest takeaway from this game, as it relates to Ty Thompson, Mario Cristobal vindication tour, uh, I think is is really what this is. Um, I think he kind of, all of a sudden, Anthony Brown looks like that might have actually been the right choice for that program last year. So uh, kind of interesting <laughs> on that uh, on that front. Overall, I mean, yeah, Bonex looked great. Um, that is definitely, you're going to get two to three of those games. You're going to get two to three of those games that were what he looked like against Georgia. So um, Marquise e. Irving looked impressive. I still really want to know like, what exactly um, Byron Cardwell did. I don't understand what's happening with him. Um, I know that there was a little bit of like he had a bad ankle and could have played this week but didn't, and so it, this could just be an injury thing, but he has not been used at all this year, and I thought he was going to be the – the primary uh, target and and usage rate on this team. So really want to know what the story is there. I uh, want to know who he pissed off. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, um, you're not going to believe this. BYU has G5 talent and looked like it. So,
0: I mean, that's right. Uh, it, that was the biggest takeaway for me is that the talent gap between Oregon and BYU is massive. It's funny watching BYU play against Pac-12 teams, and, and they don't look too dissimilar than what they did last year, which is just like, every feels like they had to labor for everything you know it just feels like they're just clawing and scratching for every yard and last year i think that worked out well for them because the pac-12 was very down the pac-12 is not down this year and oregon just happens to be the pac-12's most talented team so uh oregon completely dominated them as a result they pushed them around like avery said on the uh, in the trenches Uh, i thought I'm, i'm a little bit i have like Lowercase C concerned about uh Oregon's defensive line. I think that was a little surprising. I felt like they did not get it. I'm
1: concerned about the whole
0: defense. Yeah, the whole defense generally, for sure. Although
2: again, they, I feel like we felt that way the entire season, though, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Has it changed? Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. I will say they held BYU to seven points up until garbage time. So I mean they were getting BYU was was putting together drives, but um Oregon generally stopped them. So again. There's some talent disparities. There's some questions about Oregon, but I, but again, I don't think any of us would have picked Oregon to win by 20 points um, before the before the game.
2: I mean, I um I would have picked Oregon to win by 20 points.
0: I picked Oregon to win by 41. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, just because I fucking hate BYU, uh, I don't know. I think they looked fine. I think we should give them credit again for beating what is a decent g5 team like a good top tier g5 team probably in terms of football but defensive line they don't look great uh, i'm really worried about that yes i get the whole defense but like the ones that the one that worried me the most they were not getting uh, much of a uh, much pressure on jaron hall they were getting pushed around a little bit in the run game so that's a little bit concerning to me their offensive line looked pretty good i think for the most part against byu um but but you know it's a little bit split on the trenches i'm really worried about the defensive line um but i i I don't know this makes me feel better I, i will say this coming off uh getting their asses beat by georgia and then beating the shit out of an fcs team i was very curious to see what oregon would look like in this game i felt like if oregon was going to collapse and not have a great season you know six and six seven and five level um i i would have pick them to lose this game if i knew that that was in um in the cards for them this makes me feel like baseline is now an eight win team at minimum and i feel like they're ceiling a little bit higher just again having seen them this game and having them beat a team that is potentially somewhat well coached um i think is has to be i have to give them credit for that
1: i when you talk so just as an aside obviously We don't have BYU fans that actually listen to this. When you talk about the grind of a Power 5 schedule, this is what that is. BYU played a physical, like tough game against Baylor last week and then came out and got their teeth kicked in. This is why playing in a Power 5 is hard. This is why it matters. Fuck off with your you got 5 wins spread out against the Pac-12 last year. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: very easy when you've got bye weeks sprinkled in between each of them. Very easy. Uh, so welcome to reality motherfuckers uh, okay let's talk about uh, being right so tough
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the wins that the Pac-12 has had over Mountain West teams we got a few Mountain West games in here uh, Utah manhandled San Diego State 35-7 to in Salt Lake City, holding the Aztecs to just 173 yards of total offense. Matt Hubertson said it last week. If uh, San Diego State scored 10 points against Utah, he would be concerned. Uh, they did not, so good job, Matt. Um, meanwhile, USC soundly beat Fresno State 45-17, to while themselves gaining 517 yards of total offense. So, which of these wins uh, between USC's beatdown of Fresno State and Utah's beatdown of San Diego State, Matt, which of these wins were you most impressed by?
1: Ooh, probably Utah because USC had to resort to uh, murder and um, <laughs> and and physical physical torture really to win that game. Um, no, I oh I really don't know. I don't I don't have a lot to take from either of these games. A lot of this is definitely like right where you wanted them to be, and a lot of this was there was a lot of concerns. Um, Cam Rising has a Brent Keithy problem. He that is the only person that he looks at. Um, I had a tweet and like, I'm just going to continue to tap this sign that cam rising needs a three to one rule. Like he cannot even look at Brant Keithy until he has passed a three other targets. First. Uh, it is that offense becomes so incredibly one dimensional between throwing to Brant Keithy and running the ball when he is not looking to the wide receivers And the second, they started opening up, opening it up to the wide receivers. The offense started to roll. So That's just if you have a semi-decent defensive backfield and can cover those guys in in single coverage and Cam Risen's not looking at them, Utah's going to have some clunkers that are going to look really, really, really bad. Um, And I'm concerned about. Uh, USC and Fresno, honestly, like the defense is just a concern. Like it just is. Even Fresno State's backup came in and was able to move the ball. Fresno State was able to do a lot of things as far as they were able to gain yards in the run and in the pass and honestly like I just this was one of those games where Caleb Williams wasn't elite he wasn't perfectly on and they were still able to put up what 45 points so there's some concerns there not anything where it's just like there's no way they lose more than one game I just don't (laughs) see it and that sucks but even when they don't look great, they they just kick kick ass. It sucks. I hate it.
0: Avery, sticking with USC Fresno State. Any? Did you get to watch this game? Did you, were you? Did you walk away very impressed with USC? How did you feel like they did against Fresno State?
2: I was scared that USC is unbeatable, and I still feel like they're kind of unbeatable. But their defense does make them mortal, which is a bad sign for USC and a kind of a good sign for everyone else. But I'm not sure there's enough offensive. In, Offenses in the Pac-12 that can like truly exploit their defense enough to keep up with USC's offense. Because like Matt said, even on a day where uh, Caleb Williams doesn't look his best, he still is clearly one of the best players on the field. And obviously the best quarterback on the field, which is terrifying. Um, so I'm not any more worried about USC. Cause I think we knew that their defense was the weakest spot for them. I think we like expected it to look this way, especially against Fresno state but it's going to be hard for a team to catch them on a bad day and beat them just because their offense is so good.
0: Their rush defense, I think, is, is a problem. Um, they gave up... They, it doesn't sound like a lot, Um, at least not to me, with how big these yards can get sometimes. They, they gave up 164 yards to Fresno State, which is pretty mediocre, but not like horrific. Fresno State, I don't think, is a, a run-first team by any means, at least not what we've seen in the Pac-12 games that I've watched of Fresno State. Uh, But the good thing is, I'm not sure how many like elite run games there are in the Pac-12 at this point. Oregon State does not strike fear in the run game, at least not through these first three games and nowhere near the way that they had in 2021. Um, For example, UCLA's run game does not look particularly good the way it had in the past. So uh they it may be just kind of uh being pretty fortunate that the weakest part of of this entire ust team the worst thing about this usc team is maybe their rush defense and i'm not sure there's going to be enough teams to exploit it um i will say though that uh there's i i am coming becoming there's a little bit going back to washington becoming increasingly convinced they could be the team that like might be able to keep up with usc blow for blow offensively but I still think USC has just one too many weapons. Um, and they showed out in this game. They methodically drove down. It did not have, you know, against the Stanford, in the Stanford game, a bunch of explosive plays, huge passes downfield. This was like a methodical, like, we're going to get 10, 11 play drives and score on every single one of them, which was very funny and very terrifying. They could win that way. They showed yeah. they could win that way. Fresno State made them work for every yard, and they still got it anyway. So
2: And USC doesn't play Washington this year, so they don't even have to worry about dealing with Washington's offense till the Pac-12 championship game. Right.
1: Yeah, my one, like, glimmer of hope for the rest of us is that the offensive line depth is already starting to show. Yes. Yes. And that is something that to have had that happen in non-conference play against not very physical teams, that might break them in a hurry. Might maybe i don't know like three percent I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no i think you're right i think it's a bigger deal than what than what folks are letting on what ufc fans are letting on it did not i think uh in pass protection they did not look the offense usc's offensive line did not look good this game R- run blocking uh i think they were fine i thought <laughs> it might just be because austin jones and travis Dye own they combined for 23 carries and 212 yards uh which is insane they each averaged over nine yards per carry which was ridiculous and like
1: three broken tackles per attempt
0: it truly fucking insane yeah and that right there the fact that they got they got hit frequently and were able to get yards after that might be indicative of the fact that usc's offensive line has some problems so i don't know i think you're right matt i think that and they were banged up i think they lost an offensive lineman in this game who knows if that injury is going to be long term but i don't know i think you're right and then real quickly about utah so i would say that utah's win was more impressive than fresno state uh i think that just because of the way that utah did it and we're not sure how good fresno state is going to be in the grand scheme of things but uh utah smashed san diego state pretty early on they were like all of san diego state's yards it felt like almost every single one of them felt like it was in garbage time their touchdown was absolutely a garbage time touchdown they put in bryson barnes early in this one yes cam rising i think uh looked much better as the game went on. Uh, the first couple of drives were a little shaky. We'll see how that progresses uh, against Pac-12 defenses. But, uh, Avery, you have a quick thought or two about Utah?
2: Cam rising has regressed, which I think is concerning. Like Matt pointed out about the Brant Keithy problem. Um, he has guys open, like frequently. He has a wide receiver open, and he doesn't even look. And I think it's just kind of sad because we expect Cam rising to be one second or third best quarterback in the conference, like pretty comfortably, and I don't, is he like fifth right now? Yeah. Sixth, maybe? Like, that's kind of scary for Utah. So he needs yeah. to figure his shit out. And it could be blamed on the coaching staff, but like, still, <laughs> it's not good for Utah, especially if it's coaching. We'll see.
0: They get a, they get, a, I don't know if this is a test. I was going to say they maybe get a test next week against Arizona State, but uh, no. I think they'll probably be able to coast on that one too. Might mask a few of their deficiencies. All right. Anything else about USC or Utah? Then let's move on. Let's talk about some of the Pac-12's other wins against a group of five FCS teams. Uh, Oregon State hung almost 70 on the number four ranked FCS team, Montana State, 68-28, to 28. Uh, meanwhile, Arizona knocked off the number 1 FCS team in the country, North Dakota State, 31 to 28. UCLA narrowly escaped South Alabama 32 to 31 after a go-ahead walk-off 24-yard field goal from UCLA. And finally, Washington State beat this shit out of Colorado State 38 to 7. So four wins I think of varying degrees of entertaining here, but of these four wins, which team were you most uh, impressed by? We'll start with Avery on this one. UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, or Arizona?
2: It's Oregon State. It's so obviously Oregon State. Um Chancellon has looked great for the third week in a row. So that makes me believe it's not a fluke and he is actually just a lot better than he was last year, which is super exciting. I will say um like it's an FCS school, so I'm trying not to like take too much away, but scoring that many points is is more than I expected from Oregon State. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, And they also, like, got the rushing going more. I know, like, it's an FCS team. Like, the passing was going really well. It's easier to get the rushing going. But, like, they have not been great on the ground uh, this season. So, like, it's fun to see. Some sides of that and they just had a lot of guys running the ball. (laughs) They have like no clear running back, which is kind of frustrating because I have Damian Martinez on my fantasy team. But uh, (laughs) they had four different five different guys get rushing touchdowns, including Chance Nolan. So maybe we'll see more rushing from them. They're going to need it next week, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, big, big, big test for them. But, yeah, Chance Nolan had another great game. I didn't get to watch much of this one. What about you, Matthew? Between uh, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, which which team are you most impressed with in their wins over G5s and FCS teams?
1: Yeah, Avery's analysis here is just telling me that her um, her expectations of Oregon State's offense were too low. Uh, frankly, I didn't expect Oregon, the
2: passing offense to be Oregon good. Oregon
1: State started slow. They should have put up 100. This, this is a concerning <laughs> football game for them. <laughs>
2: Um no it's defensively it's very, they did
0: not look good by the way. no, They did not they look didn't. good defensively. They didn't look good. Yeah, early on.
1: No, it's very clearly UCLA this is this is the type of win you really build a program <laughs> off of. Um this is showed a, a tremendous amount of grit and resiliency to uh, to be able to hang with what what is an elite the best conference in football uh, in the Sunbelt. Um
0: <laughs> All right, Ryan Abraham. I, no, I joked I
1: joked with um i'm not saying extend chip i'm i'm saying i joked with john hollinger uh, tweeted that like the pac-12 was back and like the pac-12 should stand up and i i quoted it and was like this is just because like the pac-12 beat a sunbelt team the only conference to do so um so this, <laughs> is that true no, i have no idea if it's the only one but like yeah
3: the Fun sunbelt Belt's has been, been on
1: a heater yeah. they have been on a heater so no um UCLA actually looked horrendous. Yeah, I, I'm, so I'm, bad. I'm the worst honestly, of these four. <laughs> no, I'm going with Arizona, honestly. Um, North Dakota State is a good team. This this was a game that was just back and forth, and you, you kind of felt going into the half that nobody was getting a stop. Um, and there, Arizona was able to get a couple of stops in the second half, so I was fairly impressed with the balance, fairly impressed with the fact that they were able to win without playing their best game, which I think we've kind of suggested that... Um, that arizona is going to struggle with with Jaden delora that if he's not at his best and i don't i don't think he was at his best here and they still got the win this is huge for um arizona bowling as terrible as as washington being good really hurts my narrative that that arizona is going to get seven wins um this this is this is good we're, we're lined up for for arizona bowling i Arizona's two and one, and you don't need to talk to your kids about this yet, but you need to prepare yourself for a discussion about four and one Arizona. You mm-hmm. you need to be ready because you you may have to have this conversation with your children.
2: Mm-hmm. Wait, are we including the wins over G5 teams in this segment?
1: I, it's G5 and
2: FCS. Okay, I'm changing my answer to Washington State because okay. I didn't realize we were talking about them. Cam I said Ward. It. I
0: said I literally I didn't said hear. Washington I wasn't State. listening.
2: Um, Cam Ward. Avery looked doesn't really listen to minorities. Good. I know Colorado State is shit, but Cam Ward looked terrible against idaho so i will say i am rather impressed with cam ward being around he had four touchdowns um almost 300 yards he averaged nine yards per attempt um and we haven't seen that from him at all this season so cam ward hello welcome to power five level Uh, i'm really excited to see the light gleaming in your eye and i can't wait to see what chaos you cause because Up until this point, I didn't think Wazoo was capable of winning games unless their defense uh, got a lot of random turnovers that didn't make sense. But now I see possibility and hope. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Matt did call this a 50-50 game, and Washington State beat the fuck out of Colorado State. Matthew Robertson, do you want to respond to these allegations?
1: Yeah, this hurt. Uh, Colorado (laughs) State really, really uh, disappointed me there. Um, If if I'm going to throw shade, I mean – Wazoo only had a 67th percentile success rate against a really, really bad Colorado State team. I don't know. If, just uh, win, baby. Know. I'm clutching. We,
2: you play to win the game. Jake yeah, Dicker plays to here. win the game. Okay, you know what? I'm never wrong. I'm just early. And I God said that Cam War would be good, and he <laughs> is hitting his stride. <laughs> never I thought you were wrong. going I'm back
1: to Washington <laughs> there.
2: Certainly.
1: Uh, <it's> <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're, you're
0: Washington going to the playoff <laughs> uh, uh, If Washington goes, take-
2: goes to the playoff, I'm clutch. <laughs> That's me. I called that. <laughs> uh, okay.
0: I think that the most important. I'll say that. The, I'll answer this question. The most impressive ga- game. I think the most impressive team. I'm gonna say. I also say Arizona. I think you're right, Matt. I think that like they. Jaden Deloria had a Jaden Delora ish game. This was this was a this was a good Jaden Delora game. I think we can definitively say that. Whether this was his best, I, I don't. I think we agree that it's not. But this was a Jaden Delora game. He went. Uh, let me pull up the stats here. Twenty for twenty-eight uh, throwing, two hundred twenty-nine yards, one touchdown, and went with uh, fifty rushing yards off ten attempts and a touchdown there. So, and, and it was much more poised, was much more relaxed. I think he made his decision making was much better. We'll see if this continues because, like as we've seen, Jaden Delora <laughs> just cannot put together two good games or two bad games in a row. Uh, but I think last season I was really impressed with Jed Fish's ability to get his quarterbacks to like learn from their mistakes and play much better after bad games. So let's see if this continues. If Jaden Laura has a great game against, they'll get Cal next week, which will be a really good test for him if he just plays within himself, doesn't do too much. Like, helps uh where he can and doesn't he doesn't need to win them the game in order to beat Cal but if he can just sort of play within himself I think that would be a really good sign. Um and then just real quick cuz we, we touched on them the least UCLA look like dog shit. Um they are a not they are not a good team. They are probably going 6 and 6 or 7 and 5. I don't care what this what we have said about the schedule. The Pac-12 slate looks infinitely tougher. They're a bad team. They did not look impressive.
2: They were fortunate to win yes. this game
0: wildly fortunate they got beat by south alabama
2: yeah Brotherhood. they didn't deserve the win at all
1: determination <laughs> come togetherness
2: i will say i checked the sunbelt schedule and um that is not true they did not have a great showing this week or last week so
1: doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> just only <laughs> the big be. ones count for what marines. do you mean we didn't have a good showing
2: okay week. i mean you're acting like no they won every single non-conference game and if you're canonically if, Okay, sure. Okay, sure. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Anything else about uh, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona beating their beating their lesser opponents here?
2: Only four, four wins away from uh, bowl-eligible Arizona, everybody. I hope you're keeping track. Yeah. You and have they- to win less than half of the upcoming games. You need to
1: get your script together. Four and one Arizona is is going to be happening.
2: Yeah, let's.
0: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up their schedule since we're since play, we're on this. They play
2: Cal and Colorado. That's two and, wins.
0: And Arizona State could be three wins right there. That's probably three. And so then they just have to beat one of Washington State uh, or UCLA of the winnable games. They beat one of those teams. Buddy, they can they're beating absolutely, UCLA. I think they are beating UCLA.
1: Buddy, they are beating the shit out of UCLA. It really <laughs> they're does posting feel that fifty way. against UCLA. It sort of feels <laughs> that way.
2: Yes. Did Washington uh, State play UCLA last year? No. Oh, so this is this the first time Jaden, Delora, and DTR are facing off?
0: Yes, first time Jaden, Laura will be playing UCLA. <laughs> Chills. Uh, very fun. Very fun. Okay, uh, let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of the Pac-12 losses and make some predictions. If you haven't bought a shirt of your favorite Pac-12 team from Home Field Apparel, what are you doing? Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They make shirts of your favorite college teams using vintage designs and aesthetics. The designs are absolutely beautiful and the shirts themselves are super soft and really really durable. Uh, They're so great my wife bought a UCI t-shirt and she didn't even go there. So if you like your school, you like soft shirts, and you like vintage stuff, Homefield has shirts for Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, USC, Colorado, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, Washington, and Cal. Go check it out. First time buyers at Homefield get 15% off with code NOTRUCKSTOPS at HomefieldApparel.com.
1: Your mom's not doing an ad break.
0: All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the three losses the Pac 12 suffered. I knew, I, I think we knew about two of these, but one of them was a, a, a stunner, I think. I Let's... knew.
2: Not really. <laughs> I didn't pick them, but I felt it.
0: Let's, uh, let's take some quick, dedicated time to talk about Cal losing Notre Dame in South Bend first. Uh, Cal lost Notre Dame 24-17. They had opportunities to win this game. They led for much of it, and it was tied up until the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter.
2: If it weren't for the refs, Cal would have won this game.
0: Very close. And uh, I will push the, that narrative. I think it was primarily that one, what was it? it was like a pass interference or something? I can't offsides,
2: remember. Offsides, wasn't it? It was,
0: oh, that's right. It was that horrible offsides call.
1: Yeah, that was such horseshit.
0: That
2: they scored a touchdown off of.
1: Yes. And it was on a uh, it was on a missed field goal.
0: Yeah, so it was uh so that was early on in the game. Notre Dame had driven to enough to get a field goal. Uh Notre Dame misses the field goal. Cal gets called for offsides, but no one, no one on this planet, including the rules analyst for nbc including the broadcast no one saw where cal was offsides it was a bullshit call uh and then notre dame went and got the touchdown the very next play after getting a first down
2: i think it's safe to say notre dame doesn't score a touchdown there cal puts it away
0: probably um probably it's not safe
2: to say but i I, i'll push that narrative all day uh,
0: yeah i mean i think it changes the complexion of the game or at least gives Notre Dame one less score that would have been the difference in the game um, anyway this is a shitty game <laughs> this is a brutal watch I and mean, we watched it in our live watch along on discord um, but Avery uh, let's start with you did you get to watch much of this game and do you think differently of Cal given that they nearly came out of South Bend with a win
2: this is the only game this week that I watched every second of and oh wow okay this is a bad Absol- game <laughs> absolutely brutal um I don't think any better about Cal I think Cal's still dog shit I just didn't think Notre Dame was good This game went exactly how we talked about it in the preview episode. They'd be playing in the mud. That's why some of us picked Cal to win. And you know what? They almost did it. It was a really close game. And not because both teams are good. Both teams are bad. I still think Cal is bad. I think Cal maybe gets three wins, four wins this season. That's insane. Um, It's not, actually. I think it's like a very okay prediction. Um but Jack Plummer was clearly the best quarterback on the field. He has some legs on him, but he's still not good, so what I feel an like athlete, that's just Jack Plummer pretty indicative of how bad Notre Dame is that <laughs> fucking Jack Plummer is makes your quarterback look like shit, but it is Notre Dame's backup I think I don't know I don't it really is watch I don't watch yeah the
1: it, truck well, stops. their starter isn't good either, but okay, he's hurt.
0: Matthew, do you feel any differently about Cal, better about Cal, worse about Cal, the same after they took Notre Dame to the wire?
1: I think you have to feel worse. I, I honestly think that Cal <laughs> like should have won this game and found a way to lose it. Um, and so, yeah, no, um, Jack Plummer can't. They have no passing offense. They, they cannot win the game that way. The only way that they had any success was in Jack Plummer making shit up um which he is not elite <laughs> at. So uh yeah I'm I'm very much like similar to worse on Cal that I think that they are going to have a very very tough time like I definitely I think I think Arizona can beat them if Jaden DeLord throws less than 5 interceptions which 50-50 game I guess. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I yeah, Notre Dame just did not look good. So bad. And, and like the worst part about it. So like the game started, I think exactly how you expected. It was three negative five yards, three and out seven yards, three and out. I don't think there was a first down until
2: the second quarter. There was was not. It was literally just them punting back and forth for an entire quarter.
1: Correct, and that first down was a part of an eleven-play, fifty-eight-yard drive that ended in a missed field goal for Cal. <laughs> right. Um, to which Notre Dame immediately fumbled. So, like this, this was such an atrocious like start to the game, and like that, the middle part of the game where all of a sudden both teams could move the ball was really just a weird adjustment. Um, but yeah, no, I Cal should have won this game. Cal Notre Dame is. Bad.
0: I uh so just real quickly, neither of these teams broke three hundred yards of total offense. Almost identical. Two hundred ninety seven yards for Notre Dame, two hundred and ninety six for Cal. <laughs> Almost high. identical for the exact same 17. team.
1: It that was. seems a little high
0: big spider-man pointing at each other me <laughs> this game uh but i i, I don't feel uh, better about cal but i don't feel worse i still think this is just gonna be like a fine cal team like sit five and seven six and six and i and i'm looking at the schedule and i'm like first of all uh, cal's defense is good i still think it's good um i get that notre dame kind of ran on them a little bit but like it wasn't significant and notre dame sucks offensively um But Cal's defense is fine. Um, I think it's going to be fine all year. I think it's going to be top 30, top 40 in the country all year, as it has been for every single year under Justin Wilcox. Uh, I think they're probably going to run into teams that uh, are going to blow them out. But for the most part, I think they're going to be able to keep games close um, and sort of be in positions to win those games. Now, Jack Plummer is not winning them games, but... Hey, just like in this game, he's not losing them. Either. He's not losing these games either. He did exactly what we said uh, he has been doing for the other two games, which is he's not really—he's like a net zero. Um, he's not really going to get you anything, but he's not going to lose you the game either. And maybe that uh, r- results in some variance. Uh, I will say, I still think Cal is totally on the um, uh, is totally on the docket for bowl eligibility. They get, they play Colorado automatic win, thankfully for them, so they will at least get win number 3. But they also play Stanford in in Berkeley. I think Stanford is absolutely horrific. I think they could absolutely beat Stanford. I think they should beat Stanford. That's win number 4. They play UCLA on a Friday night in Berkeley 6 days after UCLA will have played USC. That I've been chalking up as a win for like 6 weeks already. So that's a win. That's 5 wins. Then they have to win one of at Washington State or hosting Arizona they could absolutely go one on one on that. So I'm I'm pure 6 and 6, uh 5 and 7 for Cal at minimum. Still, don't feel You're any different. Like
1: absolutely I'm insane.
2: I'm going to interject here and say that the AP rankings just came out and there's four Pac-12 teams all in right. the top 25. No, don't all right. This is, USC, is fucking horse Oregon, Utah, and Washington. I'm not going to say their numbers cuz I forgot. I think USC is like number 7 oh, or geez. something. But Washington state and Oregon state both received votes. Washington state had more votes than Oregon state, which is fucking insane. That is watch the fucking games. (laughs) Get, get Oregon state off the fucking PAC 12 network. I'm sick.
1: Watch the games. Also, like you can't punish Utah for losing to Florida and then like reward Florida for beating Utah. One of those, they can't both be true. Yeah. This is such horseshit. Like Utah only goes up one spot to 13 while getting jumped by Tennessee and, and NC state. And then, but Florida only drops, like drops two spots to 20. Like, this is so stupid. I don't understand why Florida is ranked and Utah is still getting punished. Either Utah lost on the road in a true game, in a true road game, like against Florida, against a ranked opponent, or like Florida isn't good. Like you can't be, you can't do both Punish them both. I think a- punish absolutely them both. Yeah, Utah is not that. a
0: top 15 team. Florida is not a top 25 team. Uh, I think Utah is a very solid 20, top 25 team, but I I think you punish them both.
1: Like Oregon uh, has a much better resume
2: than Utah and is two spots behind them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Box score watchers box score watchers. Yeah. Rank Oregon
0: state and Washington state though. Oh, do you think, Oh God, it would be so great if Oregon state came away with a win against USC. We get five teams if Washington state. Ended up, uh, do they play next week, Washington State? They do, right?
2: Yeah, they play Oregon.
0: They play Oregon. Okay, Washington State and Oregon State both win. We're getting six Pac-12 teams in the top twenty-five. That'd be no. Really if Washington funny.
2: State beats Oregon, Oregon won't be ranked anymore.
0: I don't think that's true. I think I think, I think they'll true. be like
1: fringe top twenty-five. But I just I just want to stop doing rankings. Yeah, yeah. AP rankings are weird. I just don't think we should not do any rankings until like week eight. That's boring. And you know what? I'm fine so with boring. not doing. Just don't do rankings until week twelve.
2: That's, That's fine too. So they need to. Boring. They need to have things to talk about.
1: Uh, we need to have
0: things to talk about. What do you mean they? <laughs> we just talked about it. All right. That was a Cal Notre Dame. Any uh, and our quick discussion about the AP poll. Let's uh let's talk about a, a two. I think humiliating losses for the Pac-12. First, Minnesota fucking demolished Colorado 49-7. to We're going to say that a lot this year. Uh, Colorado got a bunch of junkyards at the end to end up with something that looked like an actual football game that they played, but Uh, listener, let me tell you, Colorado did not actually play football this game. They had uh, only had like 94 yards of total offense at halftime, which I think is indicative of how bad this team was. And meanwhile, in the evening, Eastern Michigan destroyed Arizona State 30 to 21. EMU gained 457 yards of total offense. I don't think the final score highlights at all just how badly uh, EMU beat ASU. It was a really, really bad look for Arizona State, who entered the game as 20 and a half point home favorites. It's gotten to the point where even Michael Crow has come out and said something about this game, which is a bad sign for Herm Edwards, in my opinion, but we can get to that later. Uh, so we have two really horrific losses for the Pac 12. I want to know, Matt, you can start us off on this one. Which one was more embarrassing, Arizona State's loss to Eastern Michigan or Colorado's horrific loss to Minnesota?
1: Neither this is actually good for the pac twelve. You need dog shit teams to elevate the correct. rest of this uh, the rest of the records. um I mean, as far as embarrassment goes, like it's probably Arizona state, but we had Arizona state on quit watch uh, they quit now. Arizona They're state done. on one and eleven watch and like so the, none of this is to not be expected. Colorado, we've got them 0 and twelve like fantastic. I'm I'm not embarrassed by either of these. I'm entirely fine with them.
0: I think I mean uh, I think our Arizona State friends would be embarrassed, and and they are. Um, I would say they
1: are praising God for this loss. That's true. That this this
0: if you if your entire agenda in 2022 was Herm Edwards needs to be fired. This is this is what you needed to happen. Um, And they they got beat down badly. I think Arizona State's loss was more embarrassing although colorado god fucking they're terrible but arizona state's loss felt more embarrassing to me because it was a they were 20 half point favorites and looked like they were going to get beat down by 20 um they got worked by eastern michigan eastern michigan felt like they were getting like seven eight nine yards per carry i'm not sure what the actual number is but like when you watch that game eastern michigan was plowing through arizona state it was humiliating. They ended up getting 340 yards of uh, on the ground from Eastern Michigan. That's insane. Um, For a team that's much less talented. That's not even a good G5 team to get worked like that. That's humiliating. Uh, They have some man this is gonna be a long season for Arizona State. If they're getting worked like this by Eastern Michigan, they and they've truly quit at this point. One and 11 might be on the table. They might it might be on the table. They got to play Colorado, so maybe two and ten. Um, yes, guess
2: like, who predicted one and eleven.
0: You did, but I think you're going to be wrong, right? Because they got to play Colorado.
2: I think Colorado will win. No way, Colorado's Colorado. Not winning Colorado that game. last year. Colorado last year looked the same, same as they do right now. And then they started they winning games randomly. I did want to point out that Colorado had eight complete passes between three quarterbacks, three different quarterbacks. <laughs> That is fucking crazy. How long does it take
1: to install the triple? Can you do that in a week? Oh my god. Well, they it just was-
2: lost they lo- lost their best running back last year to to Michigan State. Who looked terrible in the Michigan State UW game, I will say.
0: Uh, quick fact check. It was actually 10. It was 10 completions across three quarterbacks, but still. Oh, uh, that's, that's what I meant. That's still horrific.
2: Can I read so it? JT
0: Shrout's, J- Shrouts' line just looks insane to me.
2: Okay, what was up? Did they get injured? Why were there multiple quarterbacks coming in?
0: No idea. I wasn't even watching this game, I wasn't
2: watching either. I no assume idea. no one got injured. They just decided to let the the third string guy get reps.
0: That'd be correct.
2: <laughs> JT Schrout's
0: line was four completions, 11 attempts, 24 yards, and a touchdown pass. How do you do that? How do you do that? Did he have it's like crazy. one completion that was like 20 yards and the other were like one?
2: <laughs> Colorado was on like yardage watch last season, but then they like randomly started winning games. And I do think Colorado's worse this year, but I'm not going to count out them winning zero games. Like I'm, I'm in a, at least one game. There's potential here. We'll see.
0: We know. Well, we know why they started randomly winning games is because they hadn't. They they sacrificed their offensive line coach.
2: There's people uh, to be sacrificed. I'm sure. To, yeah. I'm I mean, sure Carl probably. Durrell can find them. No,
1: really, Arizona State has to go to Boulder on Halloween weekend. You're telling me there's not going to be witchcraft?
0: Oh, that's fucking cursed. <laughs> so
3: cursed. So cursed.
0: Man. Hey. Uh, can I just. I'm calling my shots now. Arizona's beating Arizona State by 21. I'm saying that now. I think we
2: all agree that Arizona's going to win that game, except maybe Greg.
0: Yeah, Greg might still be like, Arizona State has...
2: Arizona (laughs) State has (laughs) digital talent.
3: You
0: you (laughs) do. We love you, Greg.
1: (laughs) Did you say we're all going to pick Colorado in that game?
0: No, no, no. Arizona, Arizona State. Oh,
1: Arizona. Oh, yeah. Shut up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Greg Greg might still pick Arizona State. Uh, Greg's Greg is in shambles right now because the Arizona poll eligibility agenda is thriving it
3: is not
1: <laughs> our, right, less... our buddy J-pop just posted and apparently ASU message boards are firm for Urban Meyer now
2: <laughs> oh no come on <laughs> that would be so cursed on. Urban Meyer at Arizona State would be so <laughs> fucking cursed
1: I want nothing more uh, Utah fans Utah more. fans would
2: combust <laughs>
1: Oh my god. Oh you wanna talk about sl- all the sleeping giant bullshit? We would hear <laughs> sleeping giant for like on the hour every hour for a year.
2: <laughs> Until he's caught with a co ed.
1: A nineteen year old sophomore call. Kidding <laughs> me? That's the recruiting pitch, Avery.
2: <laughs> for urban. We'll be Meyer. discreet. <laughs>
1: oh my god all right well let's
0: uh, oh. let's get to the last segment of the week uh for this slate of games mvps as always every week we pick a handful of players or coaches or units that we think were mvp worthy avery let's start with you who's your mvp in the pac 12 this week do you have one in mind
2: it's cam ward <laughs> i you know he played colorado state they're not great i already said that but i saw potential there He's not just a throwaway FCS quarterback. He is adapting to the power five. And I think he played really well. And compared to how he looked against Idaho, I think it's pretty impressive. Matt.
1: I'm torn between Jeff Tedford letting USC win uh, by <laughs> pulling, by not letting Jake Hainer back in the game, or uh, it's probably Bo Nix for shitting on the homophobes and racist. That, that's probably oh, what I like.
0: Delicious. Delicious. That's definitely my personal MVP. Good job, uh, Bo Nix owned BYU was uh, Bo perfect. Nix known
2: anti homophobic.
0: Our our uh, our LGBTQ ally king. I hope nothing comes out about him. We're gonna really get roasted for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, for me, it's Michael Penix. He's my MVP this uh, this week. He just looked really awesome. Slayed the best team in the Pac twelve.
2: N V Penix. MVP got him <laughs> got him
0: oh i hate you god i hate you guys so much
1: i've like accidentally started graduation on your fatherhood avery good joke i've actually started
0: accidentally saying peenix instead of penix I fucking... <laughs> his name I guess... between you between you all and the podcast of champions it's driving me do nuts. they still say peenix? david wood says it ironically he's just saying uh, it ironically to be a... no
1: to be a just a, no. a
2: <laughs> no
1: it's called a movement it's called starting a revolution <laughs> uh
0: Ryan, i think i think every every day for ryan abraham for saying it correctly but they 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 were talking on the podcast about like we're gonna get people to say land danning incorrectly land danning's so boring but they've got me saying michael pedix instead of michael pedix um so uh anyway uh yeah the oregon state washington jokes are gonna be very stupid when when it comes around okay any other MVPs, coaches, players? Chance Nolan. Chance Nolan's always a always. good one. a great game. A, a great game.
2: Uh okay, Devon Bailey, Utah's wide receiver that scored multiple touchdowns?
0: Their wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. Utah has wide receivers now, I guess.
2: But yeah. Had I think them it's the whole fucking time. Yeah, I think it's impressive that a wide receiver scored multiple touchdowns. That's not Britton Covey.
0: Is that uh is that Andy Ludwig's Ludwig's fault?
2: Uh I think it's a mix of Andy Ludwig and Cam Rising.
1: Have we considered Cam Rising as racist?
0: <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> you're really gonna start pissing some people off now.
1: <laughs> I'm just—I feel like it needs to be talked about. Brent Keithy and Dalton Kincaid, very white.
2: He does hand the ball off to Tavion Thomas, though.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Okay. Interesting. Good point. Interesting. Good point. Refuted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Let's talk about some. Uh, let's take a truck stop to talk about some Pac-12 news. Got one piece of news here. You all can add others uh, after we get through this one, but this is a, a terrible piece of news. You knew we had to talk about this on this particular podcast. Uh, Bill Walton, turns out, was a callous, soulless boomer who hates poor people. Uh, a piece from the voice of san diego surfaced emails that bill walton sent to san diego mayor todd gloria where bill complained about homeless folks on his bike ride bill apparently wrote quote once again while peacefully reading riding my bike this sunday morning in balboa park i was threatened chased and assaulted by the homeless population in our park the piece later on goes to quote more of his email saying Quote, you speak of the rights of the homeless. What about our rights? We follow the rules of a functioning society. Why are others allowed to disregard those rules? Your lack of action is unacceptable and is a conduct and as is the conduct of the homeless population. Bill posted an Instagram post confirming uh, his stance, basically. I've got a quick set of thoughts here, but I want to hear from y'all of, uh, what you think about Bill's takes here. Avery, you can start well, with you.
2: I would like to see what uh, Bill Walton, someone who is... Uh, following the rules of a functioning society that has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. He's very rich, is doing on his own to help homeless people. I don't think you can criticize homeless people for not having anywhere to live if you're not working to provide them living situations. So fuck off, spend some money on people other than your bike and (laughs) stop criticizing people that are just trying to live their lives.
1: Yeah. The, the tone here is so frustrating. Like there, there were like little quotes that you could pull out of these emails that were like, okay, no, you're, you're so close. You're so close here. Like, yes, we should do more. Yes. We should provide better like systems and programs to help people on better safety nets. hundred percent that, but like the entire tone here is about how this is inconveniencing you and how like, actually we should just get rid of them. I don't actually care how like, spend yep. whatever money, do whatever action, just get rid of them because I want to ride my bike. That's, like, it just, just horrible tone throughout this that was very, very frustrating to see.
2: That's the issue with um, rich people is that when they're concerned about the homeless issue, quote-unquote, it's never about caring for those people that are unhoused. It's about inconveniencing them, and they don't want to see homeless people. It's never about actually helping other people. So, fuck off.
0: Yeah. I think you two nailed it. Uh, I found this to be callous and deeply problematic. Uh, The discourse around homeless folks, y'all have touched on this. Uh, The discourse around homeless folks in this country and in California in particular, is super toxic. Uh, And I think that discourse tends to transcend traditional political party lines. Uh, To be clear, homelessness, absolutely a problem, 100%. But liberals like Bill Walton and conservatives both talk about homelessness, I think, as as an inconvenience to them, as y'all have said, uh, or as a threat to their safety above everything else. Like that takes priority, their inconvenience, uh, and their safety. Um, sure. They kind of talk about, Oh, we need more services. Oh, we need to get them off the street, but it's always the frame, like from the frame of keep homeless people out of my neighborhood. Like, don't let me see them. Um, and talking about people that way is really fucking dehumanizing and really, really unproductive. Uh, what people bill like bill walton want more than anything is just to not to have to see and interact with poor people bill wants to ride his little fucking bike uh unimpeded without having to see homeless folks um now that whole bit there about bill being chastised and or chased and threatened um that that sort of stuff happens when a homeless person is dealing typically with a severe mental episode and instead of framing it that way or seeing it that way Bill Wilton just kind of talked about homeless folks in a broad stroke as as violent and dirty absent any context around the lack of services they get People who are listening to this podcast right now who are trying to learn um, or just generally curious might then ask, well, what should Bill do besides cutting checks and advocating for policies? Don't we all want safety? He's doing those things. And yes, we all want safety, but in addition to advocating for policies that give homeless folks real services and in addition to advocating for policies that protect homeless folks, like the ones that reduce interactions between cops and homeless people, I think what we all should be doing is getting to know homeless folks in our neighborhoods. like." You should go to talk to homeless folks that live on your block, go talk to them and ask them who they are and what they need. Um, I think that goes a long way. It goes a long way towards helping homeless people feel safe around you. Um, it helps you feel safe knowing who these folks are, uh, and knowing their histories and their backgrounds. It goes a long way also towards making them feel like humans. How would you feel listener if you, if someone that you did not know treated you as an inconvenience and as a threat and at, at your worst, most vulnerable moments, And I think that's like the primary problem here Um, and it's particularly problematic because Bill is painting himself as a victim despite his tremendous wealth, despite despite his tremendous influence and position in San Diego. Bill's voice is always the voice that gets heard. It will always carry weight. It will always have impact. But you want to know whose voices will get silenced? homeless people their voices will always get silenced we never hear their stories and we will not hear their story on this side of it so and bill should know that bill should know better shame on him frankly for for some of this shit
2: i'm glad you called this out carlos because i probably would have not seen it like i didn't see anyone else tweeting about this and you're the one that like grabbed the screen grabs and posted about it and so i'm glad like this was something that wasn't ignored obviously you would never ignore something like this but it would have been easy to not bring it up yeah. And it's pretty likely that none of us would have heard about it.
1: 100%. I had to hear it from my, from my wife. And, and it's very much something where, like, as, so somebody who lives in Utah, the idea of, like, choosing to be homeless is extremely foreign to me. Like, it, we have very harsh winters. We have very harsh summers. It, the The idea of living homelessly, like, that's just not a viable option here going to San Diego like I didn't want to go back to my hotel room it's hot in there there's no airflow like there it is a a legitimately viable option if all of your social all of your other social things where it comes to cost of housing and job markets and everything like that that come into it like when you're talking about a a we need to clean up these streets, many of these people may not have extreme mental episodes may not have extreme mental illnesses that need that that they need help with. Many of them may just be in a really bad spot. And to, to be in a spot where like this person shouldn't be inconveniencing me, this person shouldn't be able to like live their life according to how they choose is, is even worse than when you're talking about like, Oh, I was attacked. Like there's so many things here that, that are problematic and frustrating when, there's a so many so many factors that go into homelessness. To boil it down to, I've I was attacked.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent, I think all well said points from y'all. Uh, I really uh, I really appreciate y'all engaging with this. And people probably want to know, well, what about no truck stops? Like no truck stops, literally, is a Bill Walton thing and all this other stuff. I think uh, I think our principles are generally like no gods, no masters. <laughs> like we're just not gonna have heroes so that Hainer. we're gonna deify. Hold, Hold on, Jake Hayner, please. Jay, okay, yeah, Jake Hayner. Yes. Okay, yeah. yes.
2: Jake Hayner, we will allow Jake Hainer. We made the mistake <laughs> of deifying Bill Walton. I knew and this was gonna happen. Yeah, and we we should have seen us. this coming. We should have known.
0: <laughs> we knew that was gonna happen. It always does. It's always what's the uh uh that phrase, uh milkshake duck or something? Um have you heard about this? It's called hey. B-
2: What? <laughs> Is, a milkshake um, duck? is this Johnny Manziel?
1: This...
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, here it is. I found the Wikipedia page. Milkshake duck. In internet culture, a milkshake duck is a person who gains popularity on social media for some positive or charming trait but is later revealed to have a distasteful history or to engage in offensive behavior. This is the thing.
2: Oh, I guess I'm yeah. just not that online yet.
0: <laughs> I think it's an older term. I think it's like 2000. Oh, no. Uh, this happened, I think in 2017 was the when the when this was turned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else got it. <laughs> I gotta look back at some of that. Maybe there's a video or something that was uh that was attached to it. Anyway, okay, uh, it's time finally for to make some predictions. First up, Avery. Let's get an update on our uh, betting bonanza.
2: Yeah, since Greg isn't here, I guess I'll um, carry this part of the episode. Um, so every week we're doing <laughs> we're doing doing our betting bonanza. If you're a member of the Patreon. We sent out a link where you can choose um, a betting line for each of the games. So either the over the under or choosing a team to cover this week uh, with the first perfect score, KG got 10 out of 10 with the push. And then Matt and I came in second with nine out of 11 and Greg with eight out of 11 i would like to point out i do not bet on sports so this is very impressive and i'm proud of myself <laughs> with our overall rankings matt is still in the lead 25 out of 34 kg and greg Truly are 24 stuff. out of 33 and i am 23 holding up the rear there so join our patreon to engage in that it's a ton of fun yeah on to the rest of the game picks
0: thank you matt how about an update on the uh, standings for the picks this year
2: Yeah,
1: I know you're doing this because, like, you want to be able to talk shit that, like, you're doing really (laughs) well on the picks and you're not even in first place. Um, Greg is in first. He is 30 and four on his picks with 31 points in total based off of the new point system. Uh, We had our first, like, upset pick that was actually picked because Arizona won when they were a three-point dog. So everybody got two points for that, but everybody picked it. So um, Avery and Carlos, you two are in second at 29 and five. And me, after just a horrendous week, uh, picking four games incorrectly, am down to 28 and six. A whole one point behind Carlos. I'm very proud of you. Good job. Coin flip, Carlos. Get fucked.
0: The arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. No, Carlos, you wrong, would be in the hurting. lead if you
2: picked Arizona to beat San Diego State. I want to I know. I know,
0: and it's funny because again, I did that for content. Like we were gonna have nothing but the same picks, and I was like, "Fine, I'll swerve," and Fuck I shouldn't have done content. that. Content. This know, is for glory. I know. I know. What is wrong? I hate you guys. So much. Uh, Okay.
1: You should pick Colorado this week. That's what I'm (laughs) (laughs)
0: hearing. I'm never picking around Colorado anything. I I can't think of a team that I would pick Colorado to lose to UConn. I do not care. Um, Okay. Let's talk about actual game picks. 11 a.m. Pacific on the Pac 12 networks. UCLA traveling to Boulder to play Colorado. I think UCLA will be favored. I'm not really sure how much. I don't think we have a line on this game, but we'll we'll see if we have one. Um, I'm actually going to be at this game, so I'll report back on what I think of Folsom Field. If you're a Colorado fan, you listen to the podcast at me at Equity and with some recommendations, some thoughts. Uh, I'd love to hear it. But uh, Matt, you can start us off. Who wins and uh, why is it UCLA?
1: Caesars posted UCLA by 21. Oh. Uh, favored by 21 mm. points. Not enough points. Uh, definitely UCLA, definitely covering a billion to nothing. Well, a billion to half a billion, actually. UCLA's defense sucks.
0: UCLA does (laughs) not look very good though. I'm not going to pick Colorado to win, but cover 21 points. I don't know. Avery, what about you? Who wins You covers? You know
2: what? I think, I think Colorado might score a couple times. Okay. That's not saying much because UCLA's defense is really bad, but I will pick UCLA to cover because Colorado (laughs) fucking sucks.
0: Yeah, this is a free one for UCLA. Give me UCLA to cover. I thought about it and I was like, "Mm, no, I think they can get three. I think they can absolutely get three touches and whole Colorado zero and it'd be a cover. Uh, What what is it, Matt? Uh,
1: Nothing. I'm just looking at lines. Keep going.
0: Okay. 1 p.m. Pacific. Oregon is traveling to Pullman to play Washington State. This one's on Fox. Uh, Oregon is a six-point favorite. Greg, who wins? Greg. I have this written in my show notes. Greg's not here. (laughs) Uh, Avery, who wins? Who covers?
2: Oh, this is my bad vibes game of the week. Oh, no. Shit. I, last week, I would have never said Washington State's going to win this game, but I saw light in Cam Moore's eyes, and I did not <laughs> see a lot from Oregon's defensive line. And I think Washington State's O line is the weakest point on their team. So it's a pretty good matchup right there. So we'll see. I, uh, I yeah.
0: Go We're okay. go,
2: Cougs!
1: <laughs> this is interesting, Matthew Hubertson. I don't want to do it now. Um, no. <laughs> problem is, is, that the script for this game is absolutely that Bo Nix like has a bad game and gets seventeen turnovers, which is very reasonable for Wazoo to get, like create that many. Oh, um, my original pick is is Oregon, and I'm gonna stick with it. For principal reasons of how <laughs> vibes games need to work so um because i think it will be hilarious if wazzy wins this game but i'll pick oregon <sighs> this is so
0: tough because washington state has fucking owned oregon over the past few years i think washington state might be one of the few teams with like a winning record over over oregon uh and washington state's defense is just good enough to do something oh my god uh i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick washington state I'm gonna say Washington
2: State wins. Don't change your thing because of what I said. No, what are you talking about? We've known
0: about the Oregon Washington <laughs> State. We've been talking about this game for weeks. I'm picking Washington State. I'm sticking to my guns. I, 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 I think, think they're gonna pull this out.
1: I'm gonna pick them. I to think pull Bo Nix is having fun. I think Dan Lanning is choosing field goals uh, in the red zone. I I think I think they're hitting their stride.
0: <laughs> All right, so two to one for Washington State. What did Greg Pacific. pick? Oh yeah, I've got to read uh, Greg's picks. So I'll I'll pull them up right now. All right, so Greg has a UCLA Big Over Colorado. He, he said, almost picked Wazoo, but I'll be a coward and take Oregon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like the Greg we know yeah attacked 230
0: <laughs> Pacific Arizona travels to Berkeley to pay Cal Arizona Cal always unhinged uh though Cal has not beaten Arizona since 2009 the Bears are and six against the Wildcats in that time. Uh, Arizona is a four and a half point favorite Avery who wins who covers
2: Arizona. Okay. I know, I know that Cal kept it close with Notre Dame. Uh, don't let that fool you. They're both shit. And you know, Jaden Delore didn't have an incredible game last week, so I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like he's gonna be shit. I feel like he might not be good, but like Jack Plummer is is worse. So, yeah, give me, give me Arizona to win and cover. To
1: win, it, it needs to be. It, I need to cut that oh, off. Cal. Oh Cal's, the Cal's a favorite. favorite. I'm very oh sorry. fuck
0: yeah! Oh yeah, Arizona is 100% covering, and Arizona is, yeah. So Avery, you're still picking Arizona to win, right? It doesn't change anything. Duh. Uh, do you all have a guess? Oh, give me, I'll give you a guess as to who Greg has.
2: Yeah, Greg has Cal. For sure.
1: He has Arizona over
2: Cal. No, really? <laughs> it's because he knew we'd all pick Arizona. That's why. Do I
1: fade Cal? Do I fade it or do I fade oh, Greg?
2: Oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Uh, remember when Greg was just like, no, Arizona's going to be really fucking horrible. Here he has them starting three and one. Um, yeah, give me Arizona. It's
2: because it's he wants to be able to say, now I picked I picked them I'm to pick win.
0: We're making fun of Greg so much on this
2: episode. <laughs> we love Greg. <laughs> I
0: love Greg. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, Greg has uh, Arizona for Cal. We're, are we all Cal down, uh, Arizona down the
2: line? Matt,
1: what about you? I can't decide.
2: Flip a coin. All
1: right. Uh, What the point, Google? Is this Arizona? Heads Arizona. Heads Arizona. All right, I'm picking Cal. (laughs) Wow, to cover?
2: Well, not
1: to win or not. Just to win,
0: win straight up. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, glad we got that figured out. Six thirty Pacific. Inexplicably, for some reason, on the Pac-12 networks. USC is traveling to the graveyard to play our Oregon State Beavlet. USC is a seven-point favorite. Matt, who wins? Who covers?
1: It's in the graveyard, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No fucking doubt about it. Go, (laughs) Beeves.
0: Here we go. This is going to get weird. Uh, Any guesses as to who Greg has over uh, in this game? He has USC.
1: I think he has the Beavs.
0: No, he has USC. Nope, he was a coward yet again. Avery, Oregon State, USC. Who wins? Who covers? It feels
2: so wrong. It feels so wrong not to pick Oregon State, but I think people are like to say that Oregon State won last year. This completely different situation. Like it couldn't be more different. And and Oregon State's defense is not going to stop USC at all. So I I'm sadly going to pick USC to win and cover. I feel bad about it, but like USC is too good.
0: So I can only guarantee one thing in that Oregon State is covering. I just...
1: Man, this is tough. This is tough. Matt, who'd you pick? You picked Oregon State. I picked Oregon State and to let you get a little bit of extra, last week there were two games in which I was the only one to pick the underdog and I lost both of those games. So I've done that with Cal. Fuck. I'm going to... Mm, I'm going to pick Oregon State. Fuck it. Let's do Beavlet.
0: Let's do Beavlet propaganda. We're going to split on this one. Oh, but man, I do not feel good about yeah, this. Let USC the record show. USC is for sure going to win now. <laughs> uh, did you, what did you say? That USC is for sure going to win now? Yeah. You, you realize that I'm ahead of you in the standings, right? After
2: three weeks. Coin flip, Carlos. <laughs> one <get> point. <laughs>
0: Uh, Pac-12 After Dark begins 7.30 Pacific, Utah traveling to Tempe to play Arizona State. I think this one is on like Pac-12 Mountain or something because it's at the same time as Oregon State, USC and there's no TV, so I'm assuming it's like Pac-12 Mountain or Pac-12 Arizona. Good luck to whoever wants to watch that. Uh, Utah is a five and a half point favorite.
1: That I don't know where he's finding that. It's 13 and a half on FanDuel and Caesars.
2: I think it came out as five and a half and a bunch of people bet it. I bet the line moved that fast.
1: Yeah, but I can't find it anywhere.
0: Oh. David Woods, I tweet. David Woods tweeted that he opened his five and a half point favorites. It's absurd. What do we, what do we want to say? Thirteen or five? I think thirteen makes we more sense. We should probably but, use yeah, whatever 13 source. Thirteen a real line. Okay. So Utah, thirteen point favorite. Uh, Matt, who wins? Who covers?
1: Utah and covers, a hundred percent. I don't. Arizona State. I. Arizona State fans have said that they won't get a first down, and I think they might be right. <laughs> Avery.
2: The vibes are so bad just because it's in Tempe and it's late and I don't think cameraizing is that good. But Arizona State has quit. Like usually they quit after they play Utah, but I think they're done. <laughs> I don't think they have a prayer here. Like none of the weird stuff that Utah has in Tempe applies to this situation. Um, man, I think it's going to be close in the first half just because Utah has been playing like shit in the first half. So I think Utah ends up covering, but it's going to look a little concerning at least the first quarter.
1: And sources adjacent to the Utah program have stated that Utah is not like Arizona State.
0: Mm, the rivalry
2: Eight, continues. Yeah. The unholy war, if you will.
0: Uh, yeah, give me, give me Utah. Give me them by like thirty. Uh, I think they are. I think it is going to be. I, give it, actually no. Give them to me by forty. I'm going like to say I think, 40.
1: I think Utah coaches want to want to like be the reason Herm gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> I think they want to score 70 here.
0: Oh, that would be very funny. That would be very funny.
2: Um, I'm guessing okay. Greg Greg picked Utah as well.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Greg has... Uh, he says, Utah error over Arizona State, but I think that game will be closer than it should because of Emery Jones' legs. Emery Jones is pretty good. I think he's better than Jaden Daniels, still. Very solidly. Uh, okay. Okay. 7.30 Pacific, same time. Stanford traveling to Seattle to play Washington on FS1. UW, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Avery, who wins, who covers?
2: You know, Stanford's coming off of a bye. Um, and I don't think it will do anything for them. <laughs> 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 I, think uh, I think Stanford's bad. Um, I I might start Tanner McKee on my fantasy team, though. Um, we'll see. To be determined. But, yeah, uh, UW's going to win and they're going to cover. Instead of who? Cameraizing. I might. I haven't decided. Interesting. It's, okay. it. it's Washington a day defense. Of
0: We don't know what Washington defense. Washington secondary does not look good. It does not I look don't good. Know. Uh, yeah, give me Washington. Greg also has Washington. Are we washing down the line here, Matt? What about you? Yeah.
1: SP Plus has Washington as a fifteen point favorite
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. Give me Washington to win and cover too. Uh, okay. I think that's it. Let's All get right. Here. Well. Let's get out of here. Uh, thank you very much. Don't forget, uh, we've got an episode from Avery and I dropping uh, uh, dropping on recalibrating our expectations for the Pac-12. Matt and Greg dropping a week four preview, uh, talking about what's gonna happen over the coming week, betting lines, all that stuff. We've got live streams. We've got so much more on Patreon at trucksops.com. On the main feed, we're back next week to talk about the Pac-12 slate. But for now, that's Avery, that's Matt. Not here today is Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening, and remember, there are no truck stops here.
1: Rest in peace, Jake.
2: Rumors still and with smoke. So big, it makes you chill. The crowd bouncing, the coffee's kicking, and my patience to everything. Said I'm lonely, you're the single sex on a quiet city street.
0: We got some breaking news that we're going to break down here real quick. Like, what, two hours after we stopped recording, we got news that Herm Edwards was fired. So joining me for this little, little segment uh, at the top as we record this after the news has dropped is Greg at Bananamorphs. Hey. And Avery at Brave Grapes.
2: Firm for Herm.
0: (laughs) I'm Carlos at Equity Brew, and you'll hear all those introductions later on again. But here we are, Herm Edwards just got fired after losing to Eastern Michigan 30-21 at home as 20-point favorites. Herm got fired after starting the season 1-2 and two with a loss to Oklahoma State, now to Eastern Michigan, and an opening season win to uh, Northern Arizona. I've got to say, I am pretty shocked that Arizona State did this right now, but uh, I'm going to withhold my thoughts. Greg, do you have thoughts about Uh, Sorry, getting straight up fired. (laughs) ASU straight up firing her. I'm all shook.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked. I thought they'd wait a lot longer to do it. That being said, I totally think it was the right call to fire him uh, as soon as possible. They should have already fired him, but better now than later. I think Just you don't need the cancer that he has become to be around your program for any longer. Uh, Getting into the market early is always a good thing, I think uh you hire a coach earlier that guy can uh have time to put together a better recruiting class and then you also have uh you're one of the first in the markets for assistance too and that's a that's a big deal so i think it's a great decision for them to fire him
0: avery what about you are you uh you you, do you feel like this is the right move are you also surprised Do you feel like this is coming
2: I just think it's hilarious. Carlos <laughs> <laughs> texted us and said, "Who's who wants to jump on to talk about Herm getting fired?" And first, I thought it was like he wanted to speculate about it, and I was really fucking confused. But then I realized that Herm got fired, and I just started dying with laughter. That's hilarious. I do. I agree with Greg. Greg made the same points I would. Um, you're the first in the market well, besides Nebraska, <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, coaching yeah, no staff. kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Arizona State isn't a bad program. Like, they should be able to hire a decent coach, like a coach with a solid resume. And I don't think their season was going anywhere either. Like, bowl eligibility, maybe? I feel like. I don't know. They look really fucking bad yesterday. So, I agree. Like, this year wasn't going to do much anyways. There's no point in keeping a coach that the players – Obviously don't really respect anymore if you're not gonna win anything. Yeah, I didn't man, I didn't think Ray Anderson would do it. It was his boy and he he abandoned mm-hmm. him, but man, that loss yesterday was brutal.
0: Yeah, it was bad. So Chris Cartman uh reported on this. I don't it's nothing's official yet, but if Chris Cartman from Sun Devil Source, the ASU site for 24 twenty-four-seven sports, if he's reporting it, it's pretty solid um the his reporting is that the official the official language here is that herm edwards is relinquishing his role quote unquote as the team's head coach he got fired uh i think there's there's no like yeah i guess that's how they're gonna sell it is that herm edwards is like yeah i'd like to relinquish my role no he uh he 100 got fired and maybe there was some agreement that this is how they were going to try to frame it for his next job or whatever um but uh, I am I am shocked. I'm shocked they did it three games into this season. Uh, I'm shocked they did it before ASU had a chance to fully quit. Maybe you had an argument that they were quitting now, but they th- things could have gotten bad. I think they really could have uh, quit hard uh, this season. I'm also shocked. I think we kind of have to consider. I'm not saying that Herm shouldn't have been fired. I'm like I, I think that his tenure has always been. Hovering about average or just slightly above average for about five years, and it really looked like the wheels are gonna were starting to fall off. But I will say the wheels had not fallen off for Arizona State. I have not seen I have yet to see uh a Pac-12 school fire a coach before the wheels fell off. Um Arizona State did not look good at the end of last season. That is true. They finished eight and five, um, eight and four in the regular season. To fire a guy who went eight and four in the season before—that's not USC, right? To fire a guy that went eight and four the the season before, and then uh, and only three games into the following season—pretty stunning. Again, I would say that it makes sense. It was probably the right move. I certainly don't think Herm Edwards was on a short leash or anything. He had five years, to, uh, four four point like two years to prove himself. Um, And uh, the the way that they were recruiting and the talent level that they had uh, and the roster that they had built up to this point uh, made very clear that Arizona State was in some dark in for some dark times, but still pretty stunning. Like, I don't know. I can't think of a last time a Pac-12 football coach had one, two, three, four straight seasons of being 500 or better. Um, And then getting fired three games into the following season. That feels pretty rare to me.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it would for sure take a losing season this year to get him out of the program because of his friendship with Ray Anderson. And like if you look at his records, it's he hasn't had a losing season. Yeah. So I guess they know what they can achieve in that program. And I, I think ASU is a lot better program than most people, especially me, give them credit for. Yeah. So kudos to Arizona State for making this move.
3: All of the the friendship he has with the AD and with the fact that teams don't fire guys coming off of eight and five seasons very often, I didn't think they would do it. However, despite the fact that he came off the eight and five season, it was absolutely the right decision to fire mm-hmm. him. And just with all the things surrounding ASU right now with like maybe sanctions coming down on them the recruiting has been terrible since that uh investigation got reported about uh and especially look what arizona is doing they look like they are like rising hard and that is not the time as a program you know you want to be cratering yeah so i think they were they were very smart to get out in front of the wheels falling off i think more programs should do that because it was painfully obvious what was happening here at Arizona state. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, exciting for ASU fans as, uh, as an Arizona state hater, I'm, I'm a little upset, <laughs> but it is what it is.
0: Um, let's talk about, so first of all, just, uh, some quick context when we record in the middle of recording, maybe we should have really taken this a little bit more seriously, but Michael Crow, uh, came Ooh. out and said, uh, I got to go look for the Nicole Arab Hourback tweet quote, from Michael Crow. This is uh, what he told the Arizona Republican, what was tweeted out by Nicole Auerbach. Quote, they showed up to play and we didn't. That's basically the outcome. Um, like anything, when you're in combat, you support your officers and we're in combat. But we'll have to decide where we're going from here and decide what the issues are and see where we're headed. Uh, that was a pretty clear indication that Herm was at the very least on the hot seat. So here we are. He is on the hot seat. Let's talk a quick, quick second about the Arizona State job I, honestly going down the line if you look on arizona state college football sports reference i'm seeing eight nine straight coaches dating back to the 70s who have made arizona state a consistently a six and six seven and five program you might say oh that's pretty mediocre that to me tells me that arizona state has a very high floor as a program it does not matter what coaches here uh herm edwards went like we said Seven and six, eight and five, two and two in the COVID year. Eight and five did not get a chance this year. That's uh, and that's coming off of Todd Graham went seven and six, five and seven, six and seven, ten and three, ten and four, eight and five. Who was coming off another fired coach, Dennis Erickson? Six and seven, <laughs> six and six, four and eight, five and seven, ten and three. Uh, and the list goes on and on. Uh, I am of the opinion that the Arizona State job is a good well. Uh, if we ignore realignment, which makes this a completely different equation, yeah. if we ignore that, the Arizona State job is a good job. I think that is a really intriguing job. Arizona State fans like to say it's a sleeping giant. I don't know that it's a sleeping giant in the way that like a UCLA is, but it's close. Um, and they're of they've been a similar caliber program for the past ten years. So, Greg, I want to hear from you first. Is the what? How do you assess the Arizona State job yourself? And as a benchmark, how would you compare it to, like, the Nebraska job that is also open, as as y'all have said?
3: So, I just as compared to the Nebraska job, it is not even close to as good as Nebraska. And I have said many times that I don't think Nebraska is as good as people make it out to be. However, I think NIL boosted them a lot because they mm. have a tremendously devoted booster core that will pay so much money and they have the big 10 contract now which will pay so much money so just by virtue of that they can buy success to an extent i think going forward arizona state's not going to be able to do that nearly to the same level that being said arizona state is going to be one of the better jobs in the pac-12 post realignment you know even as things change i still think it's a good job and it'll be i think one of the better jobs that opens this cycle and that'll be nice for them Although, again, uh, Jordan Simone, former ASU player, uh, and I think also a former ASU sideline reporter, tweeted a uh, list of early coaching candidates earlier this morning before Herm got fired, actually. Uh, And the guys he listed were Alex Grinch, Kalani Satake, uh, Chris Ball, who is NAU's head coach, uh, Kenny Dillingham, Oregon's (laughs) offensive coordinator. Oh, come on.
2: Because he coached at ASU.
3: Yeah. Interesting. And and then Luke (laughs) Fickle. Uh, Cincinnati's head coach. Uh, it's a reach. It was a. I think it's a depressing list because, <laughs> the, by far, that like there is one. If they hired Luke Fickle, it'd be a great. It'd be a great hire, but he's not taking that job. Like he's absolutely yeah. not taking that job. I
2: think they should hire Kenning Dillingham, and that here's would be why. Very funny. He has <laughs> so funny. revolutionized the Oregon offense with bonix and and yes. Arizona State. If you're listening, Ray Anderson. Uh, we all respect Kenny Dillingham so much. We think he's incredible. <laughs> like honestly, he's carrying Dan Lanning. He's fine, but Kenny Dillingham is what's going to lead Oregon to the conference championship game. So, I just think you should consider him.
0: <laughs> uh, what about you, Avery? You, how do you feel about Arizona State as a job? And do you feel like it's a better, it's a better or worse job than Nebraska? Do you agree with uh, Greg that it's, it's a worse? worse
2: job than Nebraska for sure? I don't, I don't think there's competition there, but I don't think there's any reason. Arizona State can't be as good as Utah, if not better. I think yeah. recruits would much rather play at Arizona State than Utah.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm of the opinion. Again, maybe I'm just Pac twelve pilled, but I feel like they're similar jobs. I'd almost feel like I'd rather have the Arizona State job. We have seen what the depths of Nebraska can be. I
2: feel like history matters a lot with coaching staffs a sure, lot. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then what Greg said about having a booster base like the history is kind of what le- leads to that
3: because
2: mm-hmm. when nebraska was good these people were in college or like young adults and now they're rich white people and they don't have anything else to do
3: but spend money on nebraska recruits i mean like the fact that they just fired scott frost three weeks early so that they had spent seven million dollars to do that seven million more than they would have i think that just shows how yeah, different what, the what job was is I don't know when his dropped, but I bet they would have waited if uh he had a mid season buyout drop.
0: But didn't yeah. I mean they waited here's the here's the difference. They waited a long time to fire Scott 7. Frost. Seven point
2: four million. Wait, without cause after the twenty twenty two season.
0: Is that Herm? Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, so his buyout is still much smaller than Scott Frost was. Yeah.
0: I, I just I mean I I guess I'm confused because Nebraska waited a very long time to fire Scott Frost. He went, Scott Frost at Nebraska went four and eight, five and seven. If, first of all, Nebraska was truly uh, that caliber of program, they might have fired him after five and seven. They did it. He stayed on for 2020. He went three and five. They
3: kept him because he is like a hero
0: i suppose so. i mean then he went three and nine in 2021 kept him again um
2: if they're firing him because of the ncaa violations they don't have to pay anything but it doesn't sound like that's what they did right yeah mm-hmm. i doubt i
0: have yeah, there's imagine. no way they get him
3: for cause
0: yeah i i it, that's what it seems like although you know i think arizona state is certainly going to try
3: But um, they'll probably meet in the middle somewhere
0: yeah so I, I i am i am just of the opinion that i'm not convinced that arizona state is any worse than the Nebraska job. If you look at even if we even look at things like uh you know one metric you might look at is team talent composite just to see how well they recruit um over the course of of a few years. Abra- Arizona State and Nebraska are really close in the team talent composite have been for a few years now. Um, yeah. At least since what? 20 I'm looking at this 2018 at least they've been within three to six spots of each other on the team talent composite that tells me that you can recruit at arizona state and we know that arizona state can recruit at a pretty good level at a fringe top 25 outside the top 25 level um i i don't know i'm just i think it's a good job i think it's a really intriguing job
3: the difference between the two jobs for me is not like the floor because like asu's had a fantastic floor the difference is ceiling like if a good coach gets nebraska and with NIL, what you can do in recruiting with that kind of money, I think Nebraska could be a top-four team in the Big Ten. I don't think you could do that with Arizona State. You know, They
0: could certainly be the best team in, in a new Big 12 if they end up going there. They could certainly yeah. be the best team in They're the Big 12, Man, it's minus USC and Big UCLA. 10.
3: That's less money. It's just so much less money.
0: Sure, sure. I guess I'm just— uh, It's still I, a good I'm,
3: job, though. Don't get me wrong. It's still a good job, and I agree with what Avery said. I think a good coach— like you have more advantages at Arizona state than you do at Utah. You should be able to be better than Utah at that job. And that makes you what, like at least a top four, uh, a top four school in the new PAC 12, probably better. Yeah. Maybe probably. third.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they'd be, they'd be close. I don't think that they're very far off from trying to get to a level that Washington can, it can consistently be at. Um, so it's a good job. We'll see. It's I, I'm going to be, uh very fascinated to see what that coaching search looks like, especially because of the uncertainties of realignment. I am wondering if they're going to be penny pinching because of any uncertainties around money. I don't know. Uh, this is a really interesting time to be looking for a head coach, and we may have a couple of other programs in the Pac-12 looking for one too. So, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about uh, Arizona State firing Herm Edwards before we get on with the rest of this episode?
3: It's very funny that uh, Carl Durrell was not the first Pac-12 coach fired. <laughs> you
2: know what i in the regular episode i picked utah to be arizona state and i'm choas- changing my pick to arizona state because late night in tempe on pac-12 mountain
3: with dead coach bounce. with a dead
2: coach i feel good about that utah's well utah's an interim gonna, coach yeah. utah's well, gonna it's the same thing s- they haven't even named him yet though
3: they have, and we're like halfway bad into bad
2: preparation. is <laughs> gonna sleep on this game, and Cam Rising's doo doo. So,
0: <laughs> yes, like this ASU. has created a whole other level. Uh, my of My narrative variance. has
2: completely changed now that Herm Edwards gone. I hope. Yeah. I hope ASU goes seven and five now.
0: Yeah, I th- I think the level of variance for Arizona State has just shot up. Uh, this the, the, who knows what they could be. They could be a USC from last year. And completely mail it in, and go really and get in, and really reach the depths of the of the basement, or they could rally around, maybe change some stuff up, and they're like, "Hey, this is a six and six, seven and five team. They're going to be competent the rest of the way." Don't know. I think both of those things are possible. We've seen it happen with interim coaches before. All right. Well, that's it. We will let you get on to the rest of the episode. Hope you enjoy, and we hope you uh, enjoy this conversation about Herm words and uh, getting fired at Arizona State.